last episode of 2020 and it's it's a doozy. It's Ryan Myers. He grew up in Florida, studied marine biology. He's an absolute champion Spiro. He's multiple IUSA spearfishing record holder. He's a genuinely nice dude, loves spearfishing. This episode, we chat deep reef hunting. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Isaac, a.k.a. Shrek, host of the New Spiro podcast. If this is your first time here, Jeepers, you, you've jumped on a good one to get started. I've got to give you the hot tip. Uh, today, we're off to chat with Ryan. He's another spearfishing legend from around the world. Shares his tips, wisdom, stories, and hard-won advice for you guys, the frothing noobers, the community. Awesome to be bringing this with you today, and uh, I'm genuinely excited. We're seeing out the end of 2020 together. And uh, before we get into this interview, I wanted to just to start off with some thank yous. Um, obviously, I'm rounding out the year, so I'm feeling a little bit sentimental, but um, massive thank you to you guys, the listeners. You know, like, thanks for listening, subscribing, sharing the show with your mates. Bloody awesome. I've, I've, I've had a good year in spite of some of the drama on the outside. I hope you guys have too, and I hope you've been getting out sparing and, uh, and enjoying yourselves. I did just get inter- interrupted by a delivery man. Um, it's some Aqualite products from uh, Ben over there in WA. He wrote me in uh, for a recommendation for a guest, believe it or not. The guy's name's Burke Calder. He's WA Undersea Club, uh, Old Man Blue Dive. Uh, has some fantastic gear getting around. I'm hoping to get him on the show next year. So thanks, Ben, for the package. Uh, good timing for you. It arrived right while I was doing the intro for the show. Um, also, back to the thank yous. Massive thank you to the team. Pat Dwyer, Impact Podcasting, um, Edits just about every podcast. Uh, I have had some interns helping out, Robin and Joe. Um, massive thanks to you guys, the audio team, that have just managed to get the podcast up to scratch this year in spite of some of my awkward uh, moments and stuff. A massive thank you to you guys. Also, Olivia and Stephen, behind the scenes team, um, helping out bits and pieces with all sorts of stuff. Uh, massive thanks to you guys. And, of course, a big thank you to the sponsors. The guys um, also couldn't, 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 um, couldn't do without them. Adreno, Neptonics. Killshot spear guns, penetrator fins, spearing mag, immersion freediving, and more. And also, biggest thanks of all, possibly, oh, these are all big thanks, uh, the Patreon listeners, uh, patreon.com forward slash Spiro. There's uh, more than 35 Patreon listeners that are supporting the show on an episode by episode basis. Massive thanks to you guys. Um, I wanted to get quickly into some shout outs and then we'll hook into this exciting episode with Ryan. Uh, bear with me for two seconds. Um, in Adreno. You can now use the Noob Spiro code in-store and on their scuba store. Uh, enjoy it. You can use the Noob Spiro code to save $20 on every purchase over $200. It's one, one per store, one limit per st- one limit per person in store. Um, so awesome for them. Um, I wanted to shout out to at Kiwa underscore NZ on Instagram, K-I-W-A underscore NZ, mad weight belts um, made by this cool little company out of New Zealand making awesome weight belts, t-shirts and different products. Um, Massive shout out to you guys. I want to get Esther on the show at some stage too. Um, The Spear Junkies, I hope you got into listening to last week's episode. 11 10 minute episodes of some of the craziest spearing you've ever seen. Check it out. It's under $10. You can watch the first episode for free at spearjunkies.com. Get on, check that out. Buy yourself a Christmas present. It's well worth it. Um, Jarvis sent me in a quick email. He's a young Indigenous filmmaker from the Northern Rivers of New South Wales. Mad Spiro has got a cool YouTube channel. Um, He's also offered to help guys if they've got footage building up in the background you've got nothing to do with it you really want to get some of it all edited and out the door Jarvis can help you out uh, his email is Jarvis J A 
J-A-H-V-I-S-A-S-S-A-N at gmail.com. If you want to find this, I will link this up in today's show notes. If you go to noobspero.com forward slash Ryan Myers, nice and simple, then I'll have Jarvis's details linked up there. Um, last but not least, one quick review from the podcast. Cullum says, highly recommend this podcast. The amount of knowledge that you can obtain throughout this podcast will be second to none. Love the banter and the diversity of topics discussed. Anyway, huge intro. Massive thank you to you guys. Let's hook into it. Last episode of 2020, Ryan Wise. Boom, here we go. This episode of the Noob Spirit Podcast is brought to you by spearfishing.com.au. They've been on board for more than 100 episodes, and I'd love for you to shop at spearfishing.com.au. They have a price speed guarantee, hassle-free returns, flat shipping rates across Australia, and you can save 20 bucks. For every purchase over $200, if you use the code NOOBSPERO, you save $20. Thanks for supporting the Noob Spirit Podcast and shopping with spearfishing.com.au. Partners of the New Spear Podcast, Neptonics.com. Neptonics offers the best spearfishing gear, spear guns, carbon fins, spear gun parts, and packages at the lowest prices. Go to Neptonics.com, use the code NOOB10 to save 10% of anything at Neptonics.com. N O O B 1 0. Boom! Welcome to the show, Ryan Myers. It's awesome to have you with us and joining the New Spirit community. And uh, it's it's been a while to get you on here, but I'm I'm excited, man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So you grew up in Stewart, Florida, um, fantastic part of the world. Uh, Floridians are famous all over the world. Um, normally, <laughs> normally, <laughs> normally you type in like I remember a little joke on Google. You type in Florida man and then your name and then just yeah. push enter. And then just Guaranteed. yeah, and let's let's. I'm just going to do a little experiment right now. Oh my gosh, I've never done this. <laughs> Florida man Isaac. Here we go. Uh, uh, oh, I can't. Hit. Oh, hang on. Sentenced to 80 years for committing sex. No, I don't want to do that one. I can't find any good funny ones straight off the bat. But what are you doing? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I just typed mine in. <laughs> What did I'm you like, get? Uh, Give it to me. I'm just hoping I don't see any of my mug shots here. <laughs> Florida, Florida man climbs a top playground. I don't know. But, Florida, uh, Florida man Isaac arrested for slapping woman outside Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> Standard. That, 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 that could be anybody in Florida. <laughs> if people type in Florida man Ryan Myers, though, they're definitely going to see something different. You've, um, you've been spearfishing for a long time. You've had a pretty special journey. I love your YouTube channel, man. It's... Um, Thanks. Full of stoke, good vibes. You, 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 you know, there's a bit of humility mixed in there with some good safety messages and some really Thanks. spectacular hunting. I've been working really hard on it, really, really hard. So, mm-hmm. man, we're going to hook in today in the Veterans Vault. I just want to give people a bit of a teaser. We're going to talk about deep reef hunting techniques. I've got a ton of questions here from the New Spirit community. So, should we hook in? Let's go. All right, cool. So, you grew up in Stewart, Florida. Like, tell us about getting started spearfishing in that part of the world. Well, Florida's really cool, especially like where I grew up. I mean, I grew up on the river in Florida and in my little town of, of kind of Palm City, right across the bridge from Stewart. You either had a horse or a boat. And <laughs> I, I, I had a boat. So it was, it was, you went one way or the other. I mean, we're, you know, we're a stone's throw away from the sticks. Yeah. And, um, and we're, you know, 60 miles from the Bahamas, 80 miles from the Bahamas. So it was, it was a very natural thing to kind of like grow up and be fishing and diving and snorkeling and, and spearfishing and whatever. And, um, kind of one of the, one of the, I'm kind of pissed about, like, I didn't find spearfishing until I was like 14, 15. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
you know, before that, like I was, I was fishing hard and, um, you know, I got my first boat when I was like, you know, fourth grade, whatever that was. And it was me in the river and, and fishing every day. That was it. That's all I did. It was really, it was a really cool way to grow up. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of turned into snorkeling and and scuba diving, which then eventually turned into spearfishing. And once I went spearfishing, I, I never looked back. That was it. That's all I do now. So who, who introduced you to it? It was actually, I guess my first one was like a Boy Scout trip. It was the, you know, it was a Boy Scout trip to the Bahamas, took a sailboat over there for two weeks and, um, and pole spears over there. And, and that was it. And then came back and got a little, little JBL 24 inch spear gun and, and wounded a lot of fish with that. And, <laughs> um, and then a little bit older, I think I was like 16 and I got a Rob Allen 120 and that was it. Never looked back from there. And you're a pipe gun man now, aren't you? All pipe guns, yeah, yeah, yeah all yeah. rail guns. That's it. I, I like my rail roller rail guns, but um, mm-hmm. you know, all carbon rail guns. That that's me. Mm-hmm. Um, Sick. I, I joke that I, I started with the Rob Allen 120. I went through every brand in the world. Like I've used, I've used so many. I've had them, just borrowed them, used them demoed them whatever and now i'm back to my rob allen's that's all i use man that's sick guns like and 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 the rob allen just gets better and better like um he doesn't sponsor the show or anything like that but i've been using his gear for years um they just do their job that's it yeah simply does its job yep yep yeah and the new stuff's just as good you know like they've got the pull trusion carbon barrels going and the roller heads are sick like he spent so long developing them he didn't want to rush to market with something that was half ass everything everything he does is beautiful every shaft everything everything his belt reel to his reel to everything but like like every spear gun company though or every spearfishing company in general they've had periods of um of things where you know things have been less than perfect i I think there were complaints about some of the early mechs and stuff like that and um remember there was a bad batch of shafts that went out that everybody had a shaft that rusted it all came like mm. at the same time during the same year it was it was mm. weird mm. But, yeah JBL, jbl sounds like a company like that too like i was chatting with someone the other day and they said like new jbl was not the same as old jbl um yeah. you, do you know much about that i don't know much about jbl at all i know it, mm. it was the it was the it was tiniest gun in the dive shop and it was the tiniest <laughs> gun in the dive shop i went there i was like i don't need a big gun i just need that that little 24 inch gun yeah and yeah. uh you couldn't do anything with a 24 inch gun. It was a, it was a toy. So you were a scout, and the scouting trip kind of was your sort of your um, your that was entry. The first one. It was the gateway yeah, drug yeah. into the world of spearfishing. That was it. Yeah, before that, it was all fishing, and 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 then it turned into spearfishing, and that's it. It's, it's a shame the scouts aren't doing too well these days. Did they have a spearfishing yeah. badge? Because that's pretty cool. I don't, I don't think it was. A, I don't know if they have a spearfishing badge. Um, I'm actually an Eagle Scout, so I took the I took the scouts pretty far. But um, mm, nice. The, that one trip, whatever it was like, you know, our, our, we had a really cool troop that did crazy things and we'd go on, you know, Bahama trips mm. and, and Marquesas trips and, and just all over the country. And it was wild. Mm. And one of them, you know, somebody handed me a pole spear and I was like, wow, this, I'm really good at this. And I swam mm. down like 30 feet. It was, it was just natural. So. so starting in the scouts, like all those years ago, and, na- and now you're competing in world championships, you're regularly taking out the U.S. national uh, competitions and stuff. There's got to have been a lot of lessons learned in between Guaranteed. there and there. Um, what are some that stick out to you uh, immediately? Lessons. Um, one of the things I think I did really well, like in my career, was I actively like seeked out those lessons. Like I went, I went out of my way to find the best guy and would nag that dude until he taught me whatever it was, you know? Like, <laughs> and um, I was, I was really, really good at that. You know, whether, no matter where I was in the world, whether that was like paying for a free diving class or, 
or, you know, hiring the right guy or, or biking to his house or whatever it was. Like I worked really, really hard at learning those lessons. And, um, but I got to say one of the first ones that I really learned, um, Chad Palin, which I'm not sure if he's been on your show, no, but, um, one of the floor, one of the Florida legends just told me to like slow the hell down. And it was like, from then on, I've gotten slower and slower and slower to the point where like, I'm out there and like, I don't even move. People are like, what are you doing? And I'm like the slowest swimmer. I'm the slowest to go down, the slowest to go up. Like everything I do is like a snail. Mm. And um, that definitely got to be one of the lessons that stuck with me forever. Yeah, nice, but, nice. Yeah. And I'm sure that technique's going to come in pretty handy when we talk about deep, deep reef hunting. Um, That's the key. Let's get into that when we get there. Um, okay. I wanted I wanted to talk briefly about some of your competition experiences. Um, yeah. you've, you've had some you've attended some of the, the biggest events on the planet really in the world. Well, it's still spearfishing in it, you know, like yeah. there's, there's, it's not, a, it's not a huge niche, is it? It's not like we're talking big, about big fish, small pond type thing. Yeah. 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 But you've nevertheless, <laughs> you've been to some of the, you know, like and there's some super talented people in the sport, you know, like people that just, sure. fre- they're, they're just freaks in nature, you know, from For a physiological sure. point of view, from a hunting point of view, you know, like, and they just think and nut out about spearfishing. Are you, you, are you kind of like that as well? You just, you, you focus it on every facet. Yeah. That's all I do. Yeah. Spearfishing is just completely my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been kind of the only thing I've done for like the last, I guess like eight years now professionally. It's, it's been it. Um, just trying to get to the level where I can compete with those, those European world level competitors that yeah. have been doing what I've been doing, but I'm eight years in they're 40 years in. You know, I, I keep, I, you know, one of the things I say about worlds, like if I try really, really hard for like the next 30 years, like maybe I'll win one, you know, <laughs> if I keep doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. So, yeah. so the 2016 worlds happened in Greece. It was one of the deepest yeah. spearfishing competitions that's ever been. Um, it was, yeah. I don't think there was any divers that were not considered talented at that competition. Um, you managed to place 12 out of 75. Um, yeah. t- tell us about your experience in the comp. Well, that comp was pretty insane because it was my first world championship. Um, but it was also like, I went in there with a massive advantage, like to be, to be young and to be able to and spend, I spent three months scouting there. I did like 70 something days in the water before oh, wow. the world championship. Oh, wow. So, I had more days in the water there than anybody else. What I really lacked was like the, the tournament experience. Like I didn't know how to compete and how to do that as well as I knew how to like dive deep and, and shoot fish. So I, I, I kind of had some, some weaker points there for sure. But, but worlds were so crazy because it was so freaking deep and like showing up there and being able to hunt deeper than 40 meters, you were already in the top 20%. Like mm. if you could make it to 40 meters and, and potentially shoot something, you were there. Mm. Um, so like me and Justin did really well there just as like, just being able to get there, like, you know, and then, and then I had a few months advantage there of, uh, of a lot of scouting, but, um, but it was, it was, it was definitely, I had that listed here as like one of the hardest things I ever did. Like it was, it was deadly. Like I had a, I had a blackout there. I had, um, I was oh, bent wow. multiple times. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I definitely, I should have been in the chamber for sure. Um, everybody, during, mom is there. during the comp or during the scouting? I got bent three times during scouting and then one time during the competition. So like after two days of like hardcore diving, like I got out of the, I was like, it was, it was like the last 20 minutes in the tournament. It was actually, I can tell that story if you want. Um, it's mm-hmm. kind of crazy, but, um, dove two days in a row, you know, 50 meters all day long, 60 meters. And, um, halfway through the second day, I stick my face out of the water and I can't see anything. Oh, and I kind of, I get on the boat and I'm like, 
something's wrong with my eye, you know, and I felt like I had something in my eye that like, I couldn't get out. And, um, and it was kind of like this weird prism thing, which then I talked to David Mullins later and he told me like, that's a, that's a big symptom of it is you get that, you know, prisms in your eye. And, um, so anyways, I got out of the water and I, I kind of, everybody was looking at me like, you know, I was like, take me over here, take me over there. And like, I kept like, I didn't know what to do. I was like all kind of like flustered. And, mm -hmm. um, I got my buddy there. That's, that's my safety. And I got the captain there that I've been, you know, training and staying with him for three months, you know, photos, like he was a man and he's mm -hmm. like my dad. And um, everybody's kind of looking at me like, oh, are you okay? And um, so finally I jumped in the water in like a meter of water and like just snorkel. I was like, let's just go snorkel, look for a mullet. Like at least I'm doing something. Hmm. And uh, got, got in the boat after that. And I said, I'm good. I want to do a couple more dives. And I went and I did one more. I did like one more 55, shot a fish, which is huge because I shot four or five fish in two days of tournament. You know, so like mm -hmm. to shoot a fish that's legal is massive. Yeah, and yeah. I did one more on that spot and I came up and I felt like my skin was falling off Ooh. and uh, didn't know what was going on immediately. Like went back, uh, called the judges and I, I had the oxygen tanks. I went back under on oxygen, spent the whole rest of the tournament, which was like another 10 or 15 minutes on oxygen, came up, ran in, gave my fish and then went back out and jumped back on oxygen, went down. And, um, and that was the only way I escaped the chamber. Like I had an oxygen tank and every time I got bent, I would go down to seven meters and, breathe a tank of oxygen and didn't <laughs> avoid the chamber, but, uh, but it was pretty sketchy. It was, it was a pretty wild, wild experience. So seven meters, you're nearly at two atmospheres. Is that a, is that a, a like the recommended deco sort of stop? Yeah. Of somewhere between five and seven meters is kind of like where we hang out breathing pure O2 to kind of off gas all that nitrogen and hopefully mm -hmm. avoid the chamber. You know, that mm -hmm. was the whole thing. We had a, we had a lot of guys black out. A lot of guys go to the chamber during that competition. Um, it was wild. It was wild. So that's that's our big fear for the next one. Next one's going to be 2020. It would have been 2020, but now it's going to be 2021 in Italy. Mm. So it's going to be the exact same thing. Really, really deep and uh, variable weight diving. Just, just, just sketchy. I want to talk a little bit about variable weight in a sec. Um, yeah. The physiological mechanism that's making you have this prism in your eyesight, is it something – on your op optical nerve? Or do, you, do you have any, um, are there any know. thoughts know about just, this? It's just, it's, yeah, I don't know if it's type one or type two, whatever they call it, but it's the neurological one. So it's basically just gas bubbles in your brain. Oh, um, wow. It's, same it's just, kind of thing that makes you have a stroke. It's just, it's just weird things clogging up and, and mm. uh, screwing you up. It just sounds awful. Um, yeah. It was, and it's weird because everybody's got a different tolerance to it. So like, you know, no one really knows how many minutes you need to spend up. You know, like we were spending, I was spending 18 minutes on the surface in between dives just yeah. to off-gas that nitrogen. Yeah. Still getting decompression sickness. Oh. And uh, it all has to do with like how much work you do. Like you have to pull up your own weight. So normally if you're diving super deep like that, you'd have somebody else pull up your weight. But in a tournament, you got to pull up your own weight. So now you're doing all this effort to pull up a weight from 200 feet after you just did a 200-foot dive and built up all that nitrogen. And, mm. and that was the whole, the whole thing. So exertion compounds it? That's what you're speculating? Yes. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's facts. They know that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So variable weights. Um, we, we've gone straight into like a really technical area of super yeah. difficult diving that a very small percentage of our very small sport um, involves themselves in. However, I think I think it's an interesting aside. So, yeah. describe for me variable weight diving. Well, variable weight is basically just going down with a different amount of weight that you come up with. So, for example, a hold. Like four kilos in my hand and I'll go down to the bottom and I'll leave it there. I'll hunt, I'll do my thing. And then I'll swim back up without it. And then when I get to the surface, I'll pull it back up. 
Mm-hmm. And yes, it has its massive advantages for going deeper, obviously. But to me, by far, its biggest asset is safety. Because what happens now is instead of wearing, you know, whatever you're wearing on your belt, you're wearing like 10% of that. So even if I were to black out coming up and be at, you know, 20 meters, I'm going to float. So that happened a lot during the world championship. You know, if you black out, you're popping surface like a cork, you know, Um, instead of like, if I were to do that same constant weight dive to say 40 or 50 meters, I'm, I'm going to sink below 15, you know, below 30 feet below mm. 10 meters. So if I don't make it there, I'm dead. Whereas theory is at least you'll be recovered and they can bring you back, you know? Wow. Well, um, yeah, that sounds like a scary tournament and it sounds like it is. Italy's going to be similar. Yeah. We were all stoked to kind of survive this last, you know, 2016. And then they put it in Italy again, which is a blessing and a curse. You know, I'm showing up again in the top 20% before starting. You know, before we get in the water, I'm already top 20%, mm. um, which is massive. I keep saying, like, this is my one to win. You know, mm. this is my one to, like, go and do well and maybe retire from it or or whatever. But, like, this is the one. Um, Jesus. So, so we'll see. Mm. What, while you're diving deep, another issue would come up. And so I'm just going to read you a listener question. Sven says, uh, Ryan Myers is awesome. Love all his safety stuff in his vids. He makes me have so much respect for him sharing that for others to watch and take on board. He says, is it possible to ask him if he's run into any issues with lung or trachea squeeze and what he does to avoid it? Um, he says he, he's done a bunch of deep free diving, but interested to see if he, how he has avoided this issue um, so far. Yeah. Um, Trachea squeezes and lung squeezes come from not adapting to depth, period. So the more that you go deep and the more internally compressible you are, the more flexible you are, the less issue you're going to have with that. So as I consider myself like a deep spearfisherman, I, I am a freediver as well. I've trained a lot with, with them. I've, I've, early on in my, my career, I kind of recognized that like, oh, wow, like freediving is the fundamental to spearfishing. Let's go learn to freedive. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I took a lot of classes. I competed for a little bit just, just to learn. And what I found was like, my body was so well already adapted to death because of the hundred foot hunting. So if you go to 30 meters and you hunt and you're turning, you're fighting fish, you're looking at stuff, you're, you're stretching yourself every one of those dives. So I might go out and I'll do 30 of those dives. And that's all stretching me out for those deeper dives, you mm-hmm. know? So that's kind of how I've avoided. I mean, it's definitely like, it's, it's terrifying. Like I don't, I, I've seen it happen to a ton of people. You get the trachea squeeze and then it happens forever. Like I've seen, I've seen guys that are really, really deep divers kind of ruin their whole diving forever by mm. getting the trachea squeeze or lung squeeze and then continuing to get it again and again. And mm. it's so hard for all of us watermen to stay out of the water. So you say like the only cure for it is to stay out for a month. Cool. You stay out for a month and you go dive again and then you get it right away. Now what? You spend two months out, three months out, four months out, you know, and it ends up like being that like, like thing that just keeps, keeps happening and, and it could never go away. So like, it terrifies me. I'm definitely careful at depth. I mean, you'll see in like some of my really deep videos, I'll sit on the bottom mm. you know, and I won't like lay out flat because you're laying out flat and you're stretching your neck up to shoot at something coming in, you know, you're, you're stretching. So mm. it's all about being conscious of all those movements. You know, if you grab a fish and you start fighting something down there, like it's that's you're in your danger zone. You got to like understand where all what what causes that and then avoid all those things. Like deep diving is you're not doing anything down there. I go to the bottom, I shoot a fish, I swim up. You know, I'm not I'm not fighting stuff, I'm not doing anything weird. 
So a lot of it's posture and exertion at depth, and that's one it's sort of thing. That, yeah, mm. and, and that adaptation. So like as a deep spear fisherman, if you're always out there hunting, like we saw this with guys getting ready for Greece. If you're mm. always out there hunting at 100 feet, and then you go to Greece and you try to dive 150, 180, you're gonna be good at it. Like you're gonna you're gonna be like, wow, this is not that hard because mm. you've done so much at 100. Mm. You know, if you've if you've never been to 100 and then you go out and you try and do 150, like yeah, you're gonna be really really tight. And, um, and that's just something that comes with time and, and practice and you just get more flexible every single time. So I've been very fortunate to not have those issues. I mean, I had it one time, but it was just me being, me being dumb and otherwise it hasn't been an issue. All right. So I, I, one thing I think like, it's like, maybe you get comfortable, like, we'll just take it down a couple of levels for, for, for the rest of us. <laughs> so maybe like I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable 60 foot diver, right? Um, but I, I, I've got good buddies. The water's clean. It's warm. I'm going to push it to 75 today, right? And mm-hmm. get some some of this adaptation going. Maybe I'm only going to do half a dozen dives to that depth first thing in the morning or whatever. Um, what what should I be doing in terms of posture? Like being very specific here on the bottom. Like instead of laying um, flat, what what do we do? Well, first of all, I think that's a pretty small gap. And if you're if you're a if you're really confident diver to your 60 feet, you're not going to have a problem in that 75 feet. You know, what, what it becomes that bigger jump is like, you know, that 60 to hundred, which we see a lot of times in clear water. You know, you get out here, the water's clear, it's flat, conditions are beautiful and you push it to the hundred and, and then you do the same weird stuff that you get away with at 60 and all of a sudden you're squeezed. And it's that, it's that neck position is number one. It's being tense and it's, it's fighting a fish or, or turning weird. It's, it's just all the weird things you could do down there, you know? And we see it a lot in freediving classes where like you go down to the bottom and you get to the bottom of the line and instead of like grabbing and letting yourself just float and fall over to the bottom and keep sinking until you're, until you're vertical again and then pulling yourself back up, people try and do these big turns and they're like flail around with their arms and, and that's the type of stuff that, that dangers you. Okay. Um, so it's all about small movements. That's everything. And which is the same exact thing that helps you scare fish. It's all mm. the same. You know, big movements scare fish. Small movements don't, you know. Mm. So maybe like w- w- when you are diving a bit deeper, I think maybe unconsciously you're just feeling a, a little bit more underlying anxiety because you know you're out of your comfort yeah. zone. And that's causing and you to he- tense up and make awkward movements, sure. which contributes sure. to it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. All right, cool. What about in terms of so you, you know you said you made a you, you know you made a habit of nagging some of the best. Um, oh yeah. What what else, what other resources did you use to to improve? Was it pro- well, primarily people? It it was it was I guess it was people early. I mean, I guess if you want to talk like early days of like learning, like spearboard was huge for me. Um, I remember like as like before I found like the spearfishing club. I was spearboard exclusively and like any, you know, I figured out that like every question you typed into Google, like led you back to spearboard. And then before you know it, I was a, I was a member on there and I, I read a ton. I didn't post that much, but like I read a ton and, um, and that was, that was huge at the beginning. I mean, I don't think forums are a thing anymore really, but, um, <laughs> now it's all social media, but back then that was that. And then I joined Palm Beach Freedivers, which was the, the spearfish, local spearfishing club. Mm. And that was huge. And that was like one of my things that like I would, I would tell anybody like, go join your local club, like find it wherever it is. You know, there's a ton of people there that can, that can help you and teach you. Like I went from swimming from the beach, taking my little 14 foot John boat offshore, like just doing weird stuff to mm. like having a boat option every day of the week. Yeah, every nice. day of the week you wanted to go on a boat. Here's 20 bucks for fuel. 
you're on, you know, yeah, well. it was, it was really a game changer for me. Mm, nice. Nice. Yeah. Cool. I think, um, forums kind of have been taken over a little bit just to go back to that yeah um and and social media has kind of taken over but there's a couple of problems that i see with this situation uh, with forums there were these nested threads uh that were around a specific topic and you could see this conversation that might have stretched for one or two years about some sort yeah. of neat neat facet of spearfishing mm-hmm. that stayed there forever in social yeah. media you have that same conversation that same conversation happens every three months and yeah. and it's just revisiting the same things mm-hmm. over and over and over again and then the best guy doesn't want to talk about it because he's already said it three times yeah you know? yeah exactly and the, yeah. the, the, the guy, you know the guy that's thought about it the most and had this conversation 25 times that kind yeah. of too fatigued to get involved in it and then you end up For with sure. sort of some low level advice or you know maybe stuff that you don't quite agree with but you just can't be bothered waiting in so yeah, mm, yeah it's a it's an issue is that a beer that is the beer <laughs> Oh, well done. Well done. That's a big big wave. Kona, Kona Brewer, big wave. You've 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 podcasted before. Um, I have. <laughs> the beer's key. Yeah, nice man. That's the way to do it. I think that's the way to edit too, which you must spend a lot of time doing. Um, we do. We do. My girlfriend's in the bathroom right now editing. Yeah, it's like, wow. It was, it's four thirty. I was like, You're not done. She, she went to the bathroom with the, with the cat litter box and whatever. She just posted <laughs> on Instagram that that story. She was like, "Ryan's on the noobs bureau. He's oh, uh, sick. He sent he sent me to the bathroom to edit." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, Sarah, for putting us. Uh, yeah. Sam, isn't it, Sam? Yeah, 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 Sam. Yeah, yeah. I've seen her in a couple of your vids. Um, very cool. Yeah. She, she's a bureau in her own right, eh? She's actually the one of the world champions. So yeah, her team right, won. Eh? In uh, in Portugal last year, her women's team. So that's pretty Sick. wild. I'll so, have to get her on that, the show too now. There, there you go. Yeah, it's pretty All wild. Right. All right, done. We'll we'll lock that in. Um, so the the other issue with the forum um, social media thing that I've, I'm noticing, and I want your comments on, is like back in the day in the forums, there was a lot of politics, and there was free, sure. free speech was not a free, and I'm yeah. seeing the same thing in a lot of social media groups, people that. Uh, introduce a, an idea that other people don't like they're getting banned and they're getting shipped out and like that yeah. happened in forums and that's why some of them became less popular sure. I think Ooh, I think I- the clubs too and same thing happened with the clubs you know you end up with like a guy you don't like and we're just like see you later I'm not, I'm not going anymore you know I don't I don't have to come here um, so yeah it's- it's, I don't know. I, sometimes I just look around and just, I don't know, I'm, I'm disappointed. Yeah. Th- that's one of the worst aspects of our human nature, I think, is just to, to tribalize. But, um, yeah. okay, anyway, so you're not going to get involved in that. I try to draw you out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the other thing about competitions, though, is the same thing, isn't it? It's, it's, it? A lot of it gets quite political and a lot of people steer clear of these things because of that very fact. I've, I've had a really, really great experiences. You know, most, the majority of mine have all been wonderful, especially all my international ones. All my international ones have been some of the best events I've ever been to in my life. Yeah, right. Um, you know, the, the national ones are a little bit, you know, it, it could be some politics and some whatever weird stuff, but like mm. I show up, I show up to win, I work harder and, and that's it. Like, I don't, I don't really get involved. I don't care. I just, I, I'm there to, for one thing and that's it, you know? Mm-mm. So. Talking about US local comps, I I got off. I had an interview with Big Jake Lords this morning. He's a freshwater okay. diver, and he told yeah. me um, you have to stop coming to the freshwater ones and and winning it because they they want the freshwater guys to win. 
I went. I only went, I only went to one, and it worked out. I, I just went a week earlier than anybody else and worked harder than anybody else. That was it. Yeah, nice. No, there's, there's, there's no secret, you know. Especially like a lot of those tournaments, they're they're not. It's not so much skill, you know. It's it's thirty foot diving. It's how fast can you dive? How fast can you reload? How fast can your boat pick up your fish? You know, it's mm. it's just practice it. It's not mm. you know, it's not like you got to dive to hundred feet. Like just you know, just dial it in and and work really really hard. And and that's all we do. That's that's, mm. that's all I do. Mm. So it's a very simple formula. Yeah, right. It's more. It's a, a lot of it's more strategy uh, and and planning it's rather a lot of than. Strategy. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's all stra- it's 100% strategy and planning. The spearfishing is like once I like to say like once you get to these tournaments like everybody's the same. You're mm. all phenomenal. You know, it's it's who worked harder, who strategized better, you know, who was there longer. That's it. Like it's, mm. it's I I'm fortunate to have a lot of competition experience now, so like I kind of know what's going to happen. I know, you know, the expectations of what I think I'm going to shoot versus what I'm actually going to shoot. Mm. You know, I I know what 70 people does to like a lake or a body of water, you know, so like like I, I'm fortunate to have some of those advantages that a lot of people don't. But um, but yeah, just work hard. That's it. Simple, you know. I think you'll agree with me when I say that contractions suck. But what if I told you there was a way to relax and steadily push them back, and to do so safely? Freediving for spearfishers at howtofreedive.com will help you to extend your breath hold, understand your body better, and put you in a better position when you actually get to go out spearfishing. It's not a program or a course for noobs, as it's definitely something for more advanced spearers who've had some sort of diving under their belt and understand basic spearfishing safety, but it is perfect for spearers who want a guided program with videos, a clear process to follow, and a set goal. It's definitely got that. It's a 28-day program that you can stretch out a little bit longer if you haven't got the time, but it's this formulaic approach to get you to hold your breath in a dry static for five minutes. It's just a dry breath hold training that's actually achievable because most of the time we start with dry training, and there are a few good apps out there as well. However, without sort of this this process to guide us through, we get lost and we fall apart and the discipline goes away. Anyway, you can get started for free. Check it out at howtofreedive.com. If you do want to purchase it, use the code NOOBSPIRO, but you can do the first couple of days free. Let's check it out at howtofreedive.com. Again, use the code NOOBSPIRO if you decide to purchase. All right, um, let's move into memorable fish. Like, um, I, I think you've shot four or five fish since you started. Uh, <laughs> how do you, how do you, if, if you had to choose one story, one fish, um, just one story, just, just one, uh, we can talk about more after this, but let's pick out one like really special hunt. doesn't even have to be a super special fish. It's more about the actual hunt and the experience for you. Um, I think one really, really memorable fish was, um, I actually got it in Greece. I got it with Dimitri. You guys, um, I'm sure everybody knows him here, um, Dimitri Kolias. Uh, Kolias, yeah. Yep, owner of Deep. And um, he was kind of there training me in Greece, and he taught me a lot of stuff. And I was kind of learning the aguado and the espeto technique and, and kind of how to do them and when to do what. And he was there. It was actually me and him and, and David Mullins. And he was kind of like teaching us. And, uh, and he was showing me basically like how to take a sloping rock and crawl down it diagonally. So basically okay. you use like gravity to kind of like, you know, pull yourself along, but also be like ready with your gun. So you're looking around every corner, ready to fire. Like any second, like your gun is ready to fire. And that's, 
that's kind of the European Aguado method. Like, you know, you're going to come around the corner and there's going to be a grouper and you have like a split second before he beats his tail and is gone. And, um, and it didn't work out almost ever for me except yep. for this one time. And I've got Dimitri on the boat and it was, a, it was a, my biggest dusty ever and just came around the corner and there he was. And, you know, I had that blue tech Raptor and just blasted him in the head and landed him. And it was, it was the coolest, it was a really cool, like, like start to Greece. Like that was my first real fish I got in Greece. And it was kind of like, Whoa, like maybe, maybe I got a chance here. Maybe this is like a real possibility, you know? And, um, and that was just really cool. That was a really cool fish. Those guys there have highly refined their hunting techniques. And it's sometimes like, they're, you they're know, so that, technical. Yeah. And, and they're so technical and that's because they have to be, mm. you know, like the hardest places in the world to hunt, breed the best spearfishing, mm. you know? And so to me, any place I've been, you got Europe, you, you all, all the Mediterranean and Hawaii, and they're just, they're the best. If you go out here and you shoot fish, like you're just really, really good. You know, you can go out in Australia or, or Florida or any of these places and swim down 30 feet and a 50 pound fish can swim up to you and you can stick it and cool, you know, but out here in the med, anywhere else, you know, you, you, if you shoot fish, you're really, really good. All right, cool. Hey, let's, we're kind of going to merge favorite species to hunt or the favorite, you know, hunting technique with our veterans fault. And I want to get into that. We're going to talk about deep reef spearfishing. It's a nice segue straight in from, uh, from the, from the Greek guys and the med hunting. Um, Let's start it off with like, what's one of the the cleverest fish you've ever had to try and hunt? Well, I guess the, the, what, the cleverest fish I think anywhere in the world would be the Dentex and the Moo. And I think the Dentex in, in Europe, obviously their snapper over there um, is pretty freaking elusive, but their snapper is kind of cruising up and down the reef. So you can kind of hide and maybe it just swims past you. Um, the Moo here in Hawaii, which is now what I'm hunting like every day are, you can see them. Like they're right there. Mm. And we go out all the time and you can see them everywhere and you go down and you hide behind a rock and like, it just doesn't come near you. And, um, and they're, they're freaking brilliant. They're super, they're super clever. And the worst part is they're always there. You know, like you see them every time you get in the water, you see, you know, eight pounders every time, which is like a trophy here. You, you know, every time you get in the water, but Mm, I've never shot an eight pounder, you know? And so that's, that's pretty frustrating. And it's definitely, you know, one of your questions, I, I, I haven't figured them out. I'm, I'm starting to, it's taken me a lot of years of coming to Hawaii and visiting and diving here. Mm. And I'm starting to like be able to get the small ones sometimes, but, um, but the bigger ones are, are just, just brilliant. So I watched your last vid and you, you guys have kind of found this area where there's a good aggregation of fish and you were trying to put your friend onto their first moo and yeah. he had shot a fish and it had gone into a hole um, a shaft was yeah. in it and you would, but you didn't get it straight out you, because you saw Moo in the distance and then you t- sort of took a, yeah, yeah. like a dash and a long shot and lost it. Yeah. Is that pretty common? So that, that, la- that lunge, mm. I, I love that, that move, especially. So like, I like to classify fish as kind of darters and, and swimmers. So you'll mm. have like, say your grouper who like, if you lunge at that grouper, like he's going to flip that tail one time. He's going to be gone. Like they move so fast, so quickly. And then you've got some other fish that are only going to move at the same speed away from you. So like mm. if you don't spook it and you get almost close enough and then you give that little lunge, that little one, two kick 
you know, mm. all of a sudden you're in range. Mm. You might not be in a lane range for like a, a wonder, a, an easy shot, but you're in range for like a longer shot, you know, but you're, you're comfortable. And, um, and that's kind of what I did there. And I, I do that a lot out here where, especially on the move, we're like, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I'll sit there. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll look for a really good handhold for my left hand. I got my gun in my right hand mm. and then I'll launch with the left hand and then I'll give myself like a little kick and then you're there. You're within range mm. sometimes, theoretically. doesn't always work. Didn't work that time. <laughs> <laughs> it was still cool to see and I have seen you do it a few times actually. So what about on jobfish? Does it work on them as well? Um, it'll definitely work on jobfish as well. They're the same kind of fish. I'd classify them as like a swimmer. Like they're not just going to beat their tail one time and, and poof, be gone. Mm. But more, more importantly with the job fish, I'm usually on the bottom. And if you can wait out their passes, a lot of times they'll come in close for a pass. And most of the time I'll just wait for their passes. I mean, I'll, I'll do my lunge there sometimes, but more, more likely I'm really focusing on, on not using any energy and settling in and settling in for a long dive. Like I'll wait you out. You know, you mm. can do how many passes can you do before you come close enough that it's the pass that I want. Mm. You know? mm. So there's a fair bit of, Free, free diving fitness is definitely required for this. Um, how do you recommend guys? Uh, it, it's it's such a tough thing. Like to to improve beyond a certain level within a, a short time frame, it just doesn't seem very realistic. How do you how do you coach no. guys to get better at free diving? I don't know. <laughs> if, I, if I knew, <laughs> I knew I would tell you. Um, yeah. Honestly, it's hard. It's practice. Everybody asks me like, how do you hold your breath for so long? How do you do this? Well, go five days a week for five years, you know, mm, like mm. you'll get better. You know, mm. it's, um, the free diving classes are amazing. And like that, that initial jump to get to like, say touch and goes at 40 meters and hunting at, you know, 80, 80, 80 feet, um, is, is easy. Anybody can do that in like two weeks. You know, you can come show up, do that. And then with some hunting skills, you know, you can, like, I just took a guy I've been diving with for two weeks, a good friend. And, um, he progressed so fast. He would, he had the free diving down. He had the, he was willing to learn and immediately he was hiding on the bottom. He was doing everything right. And like he shot a massive uku at the end. Like I'm getting ready to post that video. Mm. And I was, I was shocked. I was like, I've never seen anybody progress this fast in two weeks, but mm. he did it all right. He dove two weeks in a row every single day with me. He took Kurt Chambers class before that. He had all the practice, all the experience you know, to then boost that next level. And, um, unfortunately it's, it's practice. Like you guys, you guys got to die. That's it. Everybody asked me how to get better. How do I get so good at freedom? Yeah, I go freedom. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately I'm not like, I'm not the pool guy. I don't have all the pool exercises. I don't have all the, the fitness routines or the diet or any of that kind of stuff. Like I just, I'm just very fortunate in that I haven't missed a week in, you know, eight years. I dive three to five times a week, you know, every, every week forever. Mm. Um, so that's that's kind of been been my thing. I wish I had more more no, secrets for everybody. That's all good. You know? It's all good. Uh, it's a it's an answer into itself. It's it's dedication yeah. and hard work and over a sustained yeah. period. It's persistence. Um, to get to that next level, you know, like mm. like I said, where most people don't want to go or need to go. You know, you can what you to me what you need to be if you can do your touch and goes at, at forty meters and mm. you can hunt in that. 80 foot class, real confident. Like you feel real comfy in 80 feet when you got your good buddy watching you, you can do that for the rest of your life and shoot a ton of wonderful fish. I mean, the times that I shoot fish past 80 feet are not, not that often, you know, I'll go out and I'll shoot most of my feet fish below 80 feet, but that zone right there that, you know, 70 to 90 is kind of like where the magic starts to happen. And if you're real comfy right there, 
you can you can really do a lot anywhere you are. Yeah, nice. All right, um, a little bit of fan love here. Todd says Ryan Myers is a legend. I have more of a comment than a question. That opening sequence in his giant Trevally or Trevally, sorry, I'm talking I'm talking yeah. Australian here. <laughs> Video where they make the sausage was absolutely gorgeous. That is an underwater videographer's dream. So, yeah. but a bit of fan love there. Uh, Anthony Kicks says, um, would be cool to hear Ryan talk through some stalking slash coaxing techniques that he uses on Big Uku and Moo. Um, so we, we were talking about the lunge. What about coaxing, yeah. getting them in? Less is more, always. Less is more. So like, so everybody, it's kind of common knowledge now, dusting, grunting, strumming your bands, waving your little fish fingers, you know, whatever everybody does. But like, I promise you, less is more. Once that fish knows you're there, do less. Tucking down closer to the bottom, being smaller, moving less will do more to entice like a wary fish in than all of the dusting or grunting or anything. Um, so a lot of times that dusting and grunting is at the very beginning of my dive when I don't see any fish and I want something to know I'm there from far away. And then once it's there and it knows I'm, I'm, I'm something, it doesn't know whether I'm food or I'm a predator or what, but the more subtle I am, the faster he will come in closer. So, mm, okay, nice. Um, so once they're coming in, I actually, with grunting, like it sounds very uh, unspecific. Can you can you could you replicate the sounds that you might try out to draw yeah. one of these fish in? Oh. You know, something like that. Just a couple grunts. I don't go crazy with it. You know, I like to get to the bottom. I like to be settled in the bottom, and then. I will grunt and I will dust. And the theory there is they, they didn't see you come down at the bottom. You were quiet the whole way. Mm-hmm. Now you're on the bottom. You're, they don't know what you are. You're something down there. You're something in distress. Then they hear you and they come over and they don't really know what, they, what they're looking at, what it is. And they get close enough for that shot. Okay, cool. So you're using some of these, 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 these bigger, more visual, louder techniques when the fish is far away. Farther away, guaranteed. And then... Yeah. You're in some sort of rest in a in a bed. You're hiding part of yourself, or yep. um, I'm I hiding is less. I think hiding is less required depending on where you are in the world. Like, and what I mean by hiding is like just lay against a rock. Don't lay, you know, in the sand. But I, at the same time, like I do that a lot too, depending on where I am. Like Hawaii is is the fish are brilliant. You gotta you gotta tuck in. But like for ninety nine percent of the place in the world, like if I were to dive anywhere in Australia, I would just go down to the bottom and lay there. That's it. Go down the bottom, do my dusting, do my grunting, wait. And as long as you're not three feet off the bottom, hovering around with 99% of hunters out there are doing right now, you're way ahead. You're a mile ahead, you know? So to the bottom, staying as slow and calm as, as you can. Like if, if you watch the videos, you can see my head and the GoPro's on it. So there's no, there's no fake in it. Hmm. You can see the speed which with my head moves, which against which most people's head moves you can you we all see those videos all the time where the guys are on the bottom and that gopro's whipping back and forth you know and and that's just all of your movements should be like that should be super slow motion Mm. okay cool with um competition hunting versus this deep brief stuff that we're discussing um they seem to be at odds sometimes in terms of i think a lot of the Mm -hmm. fish that you are chasing in in tournaments don't necessarily require this sort of high degree of skill and sustained bottom time. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, there's always that debate in every single tournament. Like, do I do twice as many dives to 
20 meters or do I do half as many dives to, you know, 30 meters, 40 meters? Because obviously it takes more time. You need more bottom, more surface interval, um, takes more effort. And that debate is completely up in the air, depending on where you are. Like mm. I went to Portugal last, that was the last world championship. And the fish, there were tons of fish in two meters of water, tons. Mm. But I can't hunt in two meters with the swell moving back and forth. I went out to 20, 25, 30, and I lost, you know, it, I should have been, I should have been in two meters. We all should have. Mm. Um, so it, it depends on the zone, which is why I love Greece and why I love Italy, because there's no debate. Just go deep. That's it. Deeper mm. you go, the more fish you'll see. Simple. Um, but yeah, as far as like most of your, like, if I want to, I say that too, like if I want to put, if I want to fill a cooler with fish, I don't go to 40 meters. Mm. I go to 80 feet. You know, I go to 25 meters, 20 meters. If I want to go out there and like have a good time and like have fun and be relaxed and, and shoot something really cool, maybe I'll go out to 40 meters, but mm. it's not the way I, I fill a cooler or get dinner, you know? Nice. Cool, man. Um, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of happy with this veteran's fault. I did want to ask if you had any more parting advice comments for guys wanting to do deep reef hunting or what have we, what have um, we missed anything? I would just say go as slow as you can. Make sure you're not overweighted. I think um, the deeper I go, the less weight I carry for sure. And um, just slow down with everything. I'm, I'm in a no real rush to go. I'm in no rush from the entire dive. I will spend six minutes, eight minutes in between dives on the surface. I will take my jolly old time going down. I will sit down there and relax as much as possible. And I'll take my jolly old time coming up. And if you can do that, that's going to get you deeper always. And if you can set up like the logistics of your diving in a way that you're not using any effort on the surface and every dive builds into the next one, you're going to be more comfortable hunting deeper. So for example, if you go out and you swim way up current, like here in Hawaii, we're always, we're always fighting the current. We're always on short dives. So if you go way up current and then you spend your first dive's going to suck and your third, you know, and they're as they go and you drift down current, they're going to get better and better as you get more relaxed. Like each one, when you get to the surface, don't talk, don't, you know, you're not laughing. You're not talking about what you saw. It's a, it's just, you're preparing for your next dive, mm. and each one will get better and better. And that's, that's it. It's all slow. Everything about it is slow. And, um, I, I quite often help my dive buddies relax just by, by grabbing their bum cheek and giving it a gentle squeeze. Is that something you guys do in Hawaii as well? <laughs> we don't do that here. That sounds like a European technique. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, 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 my, it's my own unique creation, I think. Um, but definitely, yeah. I just watch the stress go out of my dive buddy's shoulders whenever I do that, you know. <laughs> there you and, go. Uh, it's nothing like having a, a big hairy man grab your bum cheek, you know. Yeah. Um, a couple of the boys asked kind of related questions to what you're talking about. Kurt said um, he was keen to hear sort of like your setup and your mindset for each dive. And Danny said, you know, uh, maybe ask you about your re relaxation techniques. But it sounds like we've kind of just covered that off. So, you know, you might swim up currents to say four or 500 yards. And then, you know, your first dive's maybe more of a scouting dive. It's not going to yeah. be sustained bottom time. And then as you sort of, just let the current carry you down and you just yeah. spend more time consciously relaxing on the surface. Um, and is there those, those relaxation techniques carry over to your boat too. Like mm. we do a lot of this in Florida, like where you get one dive, like the current's ripping, you'll set up way in front and you'll do all of your diaphragm breathing that really slow exhales. You'll get one dive and you come back up and do it again. 
Like if you were to like, as a kid, we would try to anchor on that wreck and try to hold on to the back and try and mm. swim down and swim back to the boat and do all this stuff. And it was way more effort than just to have a boat driver and just take turns, go in mm. front of it. And, um, and that's the same when you get on the boat, when you get on the boat, get on the boat real easy. Don't talk to each other. You know, I leave my mask on. Like everything is, is quiet, calm. Don't talk to me. Don't, you know, we're not joking. Like, you know, just I'm getting ready for my next dive. As soon as your last dive ends, like I'm prepping for my next one. Mm. So that's just another thing that kind of carries over to all of your deep diving. Um, cheeky question, uh, but something that I've started to experience a little bit. What do you do when you're, when you dive with people that uh, maybe are a bit, take it a bit less seriously than you do and they just, um, you know, they, like I don't know they they don't stick to you you know like you like buddies too they they're not there when you yeah. come up sometimes or they they just joke around like when they when they're boaty they don't seem to really pay too much attention about getting you on the right drift line yeah. um, you know they're just a bit <laughs> casual about safety and they and they say oh we're more about fun than well, yeah. how how I, do you deal with that I really like consider myself like still alive because I have two modes, you know, mm. like I have the mode where like, I know like Justin Lee is above me watching me. I know my girlfriend, Sam is above me watching me. Like I know I can, I can do that three minute dive if I want to, you mm. know? And then I have that mode where like, I'm, it, it's just kind of a fact of life where like, I'm often the best person there. And when I'm diving with someone who is, doesn't have, give me that same confidence. Like I'm just diving completely differently. You know, mm. I'm not going to take any of those longer risks. I'm, I'm doing, you know, my, my bottom times will cut, you know, a minute off of them. Mm. And, um, and I think that's kind of, I know we all say all the time, like, don't dive alone. Mm. But the fact of the matter is like people dive alone every single day, like all over the world, everybody does. Yep. And, and if you can, if you can get yourself into a mode where like, you know, you're alone, like you're in charge of your own life, mm. you know, then i feel like you'll have, everybody will have a lot less problems, you know? Um, just like, I, I know what I can do when Justin's above me and Sam's above me. And I cut that significantly down and like not fighting any fish from this. There's just like basic things that like, you know, you know, are going to black you out, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, you, you're going to black out. That. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's, that's something that everybody should have because especially somebody like me who travels all around the world and dives with different buddies every single day. You know, I, I'm very often in a situation where like, I'm like, oh, nobody's watching me, you know, and it's just, it's just the way it is. I don't have like my same core group of four guys that I dive with every single day on every single time on my boat, you know, or whatever it is. Mm. I'm always with different guys. And, um, and I think everybody should kind of develop, develop that mode. Like you don't need to necessarily not dive, but you need to be able to like do it responsibly and, and significantly cut down on what you might do with, with the proper body. Have you had like, um, it's a rude question. Have you had many much experience with shallow water blackout? I personally saved 21. So you've, you've saved 21 people in a blackout situation. I personally saved 21. I've seen a lot more, <laughs> but I have been like the primary safety buddy, whatever. I've been the one that rescued you 21 times. Holy um, shit. So it's, it's, it's not uncommon in my form of diving. And like, I'm kind of also known to like, push people a little bit. Like I like to, I like to take guys and we go out and like, Hey, we're diving 80 feet today or 90 feet. And like, you can push it, you know, buddy, like whoever you are, like, like I promise you the water's clear. I can see you. There's no current. Like, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be right here. Like yep. push it a little bit. Like, you know, you, cause the blackout itself is, is completely harmless mm. as long as somebody's there 
to rescue you, mm. you know? And, um, some, some people say like after you black out once, you become more susceptible to it for a period of time. Is that, is that true that. in your experience? I, I don't know. And to me, like logically, I would say, you know, like the, the human brain, like, okay, like Ryan was doing something dumb and we wanted to save him. So he, we made him black out. And then he lived. So, okay, that works. We do that again, you know? And I don't know. Like, I'm, I don't want to have a bunch of blackouts. I, I know that the freedivers are kind of, you know, the competitive freedivers, they have them all the time. It's no big deal. Like, I don't know whether it gets more conditioned or not, but I don't want to have them. I know that when I blacked out in Greece, it knocked like 30, 40 seconds off my dive time for like years. Like, it yeah, never right came on. back. Like, oh, it was okay. like, it was years before I saw 33 minutes just because I was afraid. Like mentally I was just afraid. Yeah. And right I know that if, as like a young diver, like if I would have blacked out at, you know, 16, 18 and somebody would have saved me, I guarantee I would have been a whole lot safer than I was throughout all those, you know, five, eight years of like kind of recklessly diving wherever with whoever, you know, thinking you're kind of invincible. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the, to the young people, like I've, I think it's massively valuable. Like, I don't, I, you're not trying to make a habit of it, but like to go out in a freediving class or to go out spearfishing with me as like a, you know, 18 year old kid and, and black out and then be like, whoa, like, I'm like, dude, you, you could have died if you're with your buddy and, and he wasn't paying attention. Like you're dead. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've had a lot of dads like thank me and be like, wow, like that was, you know, he knows now, he knows that, you know, you could act, you could actually die. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, other people have talked about like that, you know, that maturity progress as a, as a process, as a spiro, it's like. You know, you start off and you're nervous and you, you know, yeah. maybe maybe you've listened to some stories about blackouts and you're conscious about it. So you, you do all the right things and then, yeah. you, you know, you spearfish for 12, 18 months, two years and you your confidence gets up and you do start to get better, but not a whole lot better. And, sure. But then you start to really push it. And that's yeah. when a lot of guys seem to come unstuck. The same, the same group always that dies. It's the same group. And, um, and I tell, I have a ton of those friends that like, I, you know, maybe I taught them or maybe I bumped into that or whatever. And I'm like, dude, like you're at the most dangerous phase right now, mm. just getting good. You're getting down to a hundred feet, you're shooting fish. And all it takes is one mistake, you know, one swim against the current. I was a little more tired than I usually was, you know, I drank the night before or, or whatever. And you know, you're dead. Mm. So mm. it's pretty serious. It's hard to instill that, like on an eighteen-year-old. Like I, I never got that. I know everybody told me. You know, I was like the deepest guy for a long time, and everybody's, like, "Oh, you better care for it. I'm gonna die." And I was like, "Whatever, I'm not gonna die." You know? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so I was, I was like that kid to the T. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, oh, this is such a serious issue. Like in terms of just how many people have have died. You know, like um, Hawaii's crazy. Hawaii's like we lost like four in two months. You know. Like, like it's, it's very, spearfishing is so big here and the fish are so deep and so smart and the water's so clear and warm and it's so easy to go deep without knowing anything that like, you know, it was like four guys in two months earlier this year.
This episode of the Noob Sparrow Podcast is brought to you by the world's greatest spearfishing magazine, Spearing Magazine. There are news and reviews for the latest spearfishing equipment and gadgets inside. There's practical how-to and DIY type articles. There's spearing adventures from crazy noobers like you from all over the world. And uh, it's, it's a magazine that you can pick up or you can look at. And if you've got the digital subscription, you can flick through and let it inspire your next spearfishing adventure, even if you're having a dry run. Keep the stoke alive. Check it out at spearingmagazine.com. If you're away from the good old USA, though, check out the international subscription. That's at spearingmagazine.com. Simple, accurate, deadly. Use the code NOOB, N-O-O-B, and save $30 on any spear gun for a limited time only. Go to killshotspearguns.com, check them out for yourself. Handmade in the Florida Keys by Ed Martin. Use the code NOOB, N-O-O-B, or head into the shop and say, Crikey, mate. And apparently Ed will hook you up with a $30 discount on any timber spear gun. Get your hands on one, killshotspearguns.com. Doug asks uh, a question. He says, can you ask Ryan why he uses a neck weight in some of his dives and does he recommend it for an intermediate diver in cold water as well? So I use a neck weight in every single one of my dives since I first got a neck weight six years ago when I moved to Hawaii. I found it in the chick I was staying with. A late, I was staying in this lady's garage, staying in this lady's house and I found it in her garage and, and I kept it and I put it on my neck and it's been with me every dive since. Um, the only piece of gear that's carried over through everything, but I'm a big fan of it for a couple of reasons. It takes a couple of pounds off my weight, off my belt, and it helps me go vertical straight up and down. You know, sometimes you're out diving with people and you can see them kind of at an angle going down and like doing weird ah, stuff, and yeah. you know? So like, I know that if I'm fully relaxed, that I'm pulling from my head Like my mm. head is pulling me down to the bottom instead of, and that's how I act like I, when I dive, I'm not, I'm not pushing with my feet down to the bottom. Mm. I'm just like letting my head pull me down to the bottom. Um, so I don't necessarily recommend it for one reason, and that's that you can't drop it. Yeah. So the if you're going to wear a neck weight, make sure it's a small percentage of your weight because the two times that I've had to drop my weight belt, I wish I could have dropped my neck weight. You know, it was like shit. Do I do I bring my hand up and try and grapple at the clasp, or do I just keep swimming up? You know. Mm. So mm. it's definitely an advanced piece of gear, and definitely something that like. If you're going to do it, small percentage of your weight. So, like, he's in cold water, so I'd imagine he might be using, say, 12, 12, 12 pounds. Yeah. Maybe he's got 12, 14 pounds. How much no. should he should he consider using on the neck? Three if pounds. He was All right. Yeah. Okay, cool. And in terms of the, the clips, like, just about every neck weight I've ever seen is homemade. Um, normally, homemade like... Homemade bicycle clip with, like, it, a stupid little buckle on it that's yeah. nothing. Yeah. little plastic buckle. Yeah, like the... Like off a off a off a school bag or something like that, a plastic mm-hmm. clip. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, what should you tell your or show your buddies just like how it sort of clips together? I mean, is there a way to make it visual so people can unclip it if they have to? I don't think anybody can unclip it for you. I think if someone's got a hold of you, it's such a negligible amount of weight that they're taking you to the surface, or they're already on the surface with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, like I've dropped my belt. I dropped my belt one time at like forty-two meters. I broke a fin. And I damn sure wish I could have dropped my two pounds on my neck, but I decided that just keep swimming up with one fin is easier than losing your momentum with reaching up with a hand, you know? So again, it's, it's an advantage, something I picked up from the freediving world. Yeah. Um, I picked it up there. 
I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to help you or hurt you that much. It's not a, you know, I don't think it's a significant part of my, my diving, you know, mm-hmm. um, I like it. I keep it, but I don't know if I would, if I would do it myself now, if I hadn't already been doing it for so long, you know? All right. Fair enough, man. Um, let's segue away from this a little bit. I want to talk about your YouTube channel, which I'm just looking up now. Uh, you've got 26,000 subscribers. That's a substantial, um, YouTube channel and you're still continuing to grow it. Um, I'd love Mm -hmm. to chat a little bit about how you've grown a YouTube channel. Um, what's your, Oh, that's, that's you coming over what's up guys ryan myers yep. what's up guys ryan myers here what's up guys <laughs> it's one of your go-to's it's right. isn't it it's yeah. yeah yeah what's up guys um welcome back <laughs> welcome back to another episode yeah i love well, it ryan myers, yeah it's, a whole it's, thing. it's good energy man it's good energy good. um how have you grown your channel so far what are the strategies you employ to do it um um and then we'll talk a little bit about the videos themselves we offer value that's it um you know, I, I did a ton of research on YouTube beforehand, before we started. Um, I knew it was a it was a platform I really wanted to be on, and um, we teach people spearfishing. I mean, we you can watch our video, you can be entertained, and also learn something. And it's not like you could. There's channels out there you can learn stuff from, but you're, they're not fun, you know. And there's we've kind of found that good balance between the two. Um, and I think that's huge. I think there's a lot of these secrets. Like I've taught spearfishing. I've guided trips for the last, I don't know, seven, eight years. That's been my job. Mm. And basically, I just took all of that value that I usually charge a lot for every day. And we'll put it on there and we'll give it to you for free. Yeah, and, nice. Um, nice. I, it's been really cool to see kind of the community respond to it really well. And and it grow because that's that's all we're doing now. Like we're um, we're done, done with everything else. No more classes. No more guided trips. Like YouTube is it. So we're, we're doubling down and, uh, and that's it. Are you, you're not, you're not running courses or trips at all anymore. I'm going to hope not. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we, that's kind of how I've survived for like the last, you know, seven, eight years. Um, but you know, everybody asks like, you know, what do you want to do? Ryan? I'm like, well, I just want to go spearfishing. Yeah. Nice. And obviously that's, you know, hard to make a living and, and survive and whatever. Mm. But, um, but YouTube has really been, the platform to to make that a reality and yeah, i think so. that's been really cool i mean people have asked me for years like oh ryan how do i make a living in spearfishing i'm like go to college and hire somebody to take you spearfishing <laughs> go to college get a real job make some money and then hire somebody to take you spearfishing like, yeah. don't you know don't don't go do don't go think you're going to spearfish for money because it's it's impossible yeah but yeah i wish i could go back and like respond to all those kids and tell them like go start a youtube channel because that's the only real to me like possibility of of making a a living from spearfishing mm. mm. um, so it's, it's been really cool teaching classes as a as a freedive instructor um like a lot of people already bitch about the price of a, of a freediving course and it's like yeah like most of the guys that are, are freediving instructors they've they've had to pass some pretty stringent requirements that you actually need to put a decent amount of work in just to learn. And then there's the knowledge and there's the formula to teaching a course. There's a lot of work involved and um, you're teaching small classes and it's, you can't really scale those efforts. And um, no, it's very hard and it's an awful business model. Like it's mm. just, it's, it's unscalable completely. You're, you're just always scheduling people for your next paycheck and, and it's a um, pain in the butt. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, 21st century, everything's online. Mm. do it there yeah nice man it's been a lot of fun it's been a a huge blessing like we're we're so excited you know it's a lot of work especially 
at the beginning, like especially at the beginning, we used to put two weeks into a, into an edit. Like one of those videos would take us two weeks to make. And, um, and now we can, now we do them in a day, you know, like I'll film a day and we'll edit a day and it's done. Yeah. Um, nice, man. So it's, um, so that you were asking about advice for all the, all the channels out there that are trying to grow. Hmm. I would make as many as possible. And the reason for that is because no one's going to watch them at the beginning anyways. So <laughs> nobody watches them. Don't care about it. Just yep. make them because everyone that you make, you'll learn. Yep. And it's not about like you getting more views or more subscribers. It's about you yourself learning how to make the videos. Hmm. You know, you'll learn how to talk on camera. You'll learn how to do the voiceovers. You'll learn how to, you know, film underwater, which is a whole thing in itself. Like you'll, hmm. you'll just learn faster the more you make. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, I'm just going to, I'm just going to play this. Can you can, let me know if you can hear this? What's up guys. Welcome to another episode of Ryan Myers Expedition. <laughs> Could you hear that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got a little bit. That's fine. Uh, I recognize it anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's nah, very distinctive man. and your, your tone's very warm and um, it's very motivating as well. So keep, keep doing what you're doing with it. Um, where to from here with the, with the YouTube channel, what are you editing on? Um, we're editing on premiere. Um, we're, we're on premiere. I, I build the timeline and the story and everything. And then I do the voiceover and I give it to my girlfriend, Sam, and she does the fancy stuff and, and the music and the transitions and all that kind of stuff. But like, yeah, nice. I think what's really cool for people to know is like, we're, we got two GoPros. That's it. Mm. That's what we use. You know, we've got, we've got other fancy proper cameras mm. and they never leave the house. You know, anybody can do this with our, even our editing, our editing is nothing fancy. It's not crazy, beautiful transitions. It's not, there's, there's nothing crazy going on. It's just pure, like, storytelling so yeah and there's so many people out there that that do the coolest stuff in the world i mean tons of people like you go out and you're like oh man if i had a youtube channel we'll just film it you know it's mm. not you don't have to make it like this whole production just go out film what you did put it online and you might be surprised i mean it it, it could be what you do so yeah cool um what about recording sound like you you narrate a lot of your videos um what are you recording into I've got a little bitty Rode Video Micro or whatever, $100 or something. I plug it into my GoPro. I stick my GoPro behind my laptop. I watch my video and I talk about my video and that's it. Yeah, nice. Then I, then I go back and I cut out the video and I put the music, I put the audio below it. I cut out all the dumb stuff I say <laughs> and, uh, and that's it. It's done. Like, like we, our, our channel is the most basic, uses the most basic, um, technology i mean like i said we got two gopros two gopro mm. seven blacks that's what mm -hmm. we use that's it anybody anybody can do this um i've got the same camera but i like when i go out spearfishing i'll be honest i've got the camera on my head i quite like if i don't forget to turn it on i pretty soon get the shits with it or my battery goes flat yeah or, or like and i'm just like i just like to do one thing at a time i'm a hardcore monotasker um did you experience that when you started? I mean, or did it? So what's really kind of unique and like what filming underwater and spearfishing is really, really hard. Like if whatever you think you got, like you got 50%, like I, you're really good at it. You've got 70%, you mm. know? Um, so I take two GoPros. I have one on my head. I have one shoved in my wetsuit mm. and I make sure they're cleared. The chips are cleared. The batteries are fully charged and I film every dive and I film every single dive I go down, every single dive I come up, I turn it off. And when that GoPro dies, I'll switch to my other one. And half the time I swim out there and one screws up and glitches and is dead or something, you know, and then you have two. <laughs> and if, and luckily like we filmed for, I filmed for Instagram for 
a lot of years. Mm. So luckily I have kind of that background in filming spearfishing, um, which is hard. Like it's hard. All my friends here are trying to start YouTube channels and do it. And I'm like, just do it. And then every time the GoPro is dead, the chip is full, you know, the thing gets flooded, like it's something. Yeah. And, and it did, it took us a lot of practice to be able to do both, which to the point where like, I don't even think about the camera anymore. Like it doesn't, it's just part yeah. of my breathe up. Every time I, I go, I click the camera, I dive down, I come back up, I click it off. That's it. I went to New Zealand for three days to shoot a huge yellowtail kingfish in, um, in March, and I shot a 27.5 kilo one or so. And wow. uh, it was cool. It was, like, it was for me, it was a super special fish. Like, but, yeah. um, you know, they, they've shot the world records there, which was beyond 50. So it was it – was, Three kings. Yeah, yeah. So it was by yeah. no means a special fish like in terms of that place. Yeah. But for me, it was super cool. I took, I filled up a 64 gig memory card with like uh, 2.7K, 50 frames a second. Yeah. And and then as I pulled the card out, I snapped it with my finger and lost, oh lost, lost all the footage. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it felt good. It felt really good. Um, have you done anything <laughs> like that? I am so fortunate to have lost like nothing of value digitally. Like everybody tells me that they're like, I'm, I come like every time I film something, like I put it on my hard drive and I wipe the chip and everybody around me is like, die, you got to have backups of this and back to this and like, you know, whatever. And, and I'm very fortunate to have most, I can't think of anything significant that I've lost. Mm. Um, and like I said, I'm sure it's only a matter of time. I just took some hard drives the other day to a guy to, to fix them all because they were broken. But if you pay for it, usually they can fix them. You know, the, yep. the hard drive, digital glitch, whatever the whole thing is. I don't know. I'm not a computer guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. Well, it's amazing. A, I do the YouTube you, thing, but like, yeah. I don't, the, me and the computer, like, hate each other. Like, it's bad. So. <laughs> well, I shared my funniest thing. Well, you found it funny. I found it torturous. <laughs> um, for you, what's one of the funniest things you've experienced out of I don't have a funniest thing. Like I, I've been thinking about that one all day. Like, I'm, uh, I'm come asking on. Sam. I'm like, Sam, I don't, I don't know. I don't uh, know. Funniest you thing. I'm sorry. You, you, haven't, you. you haven't shit yourself or. No, no, no. I mean, we, we have a genuine good time on the boat all the time. I mean, there's nothing like, like hanging with the boys on the boat and like everybody's screwing with each other and whatever. And it's, it's, it's a blast, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's, I can't, I'm stumped. I was stumped on that one. No pranksters in the crew. No. I mean, I dive with people. The only, the one thing I was, one thing Sam said was the Europeans and being naked. And that mm-hmm. is it. Like these guys, like, I don't know how you guys are in Australia, but like Americans are kind of, you're kind of funny. Like we change under our towels and whatever, you know? Yeah. And um, we go over to Europe and we're in these tiny little inflatable boats, with like five guys. And they will like get naked and then start looking for their dive gear. Like be like climbing all over each other, and then they, they use like the 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 pissettes, you know, like the external yeah, catheters. Yeah, and like they'll literally like help each other put them on. Like, oh yeah, help, help me, you know. And they're like all like it's just that oh, was that cool. was kind of weird. I don't know if that's, that's funny a culture. That's not. a cult. That's a cultural thing for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah, you're like, wait, you gay? You can't you can't be naked. There's just guys. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I've started. I've but, started like at the end of my dive now when I'm not in too cold a water at the end of the day i'll take my suit off and jump in and some jocks like straight yeah. into the sea and wash my suit off and just get all the yeah. pit, just to get off all the piss but um that's yeah that's generally about as as far as i'm happy rocking it yeah. uh this this yeah. stuff but yeah it's pretty funny yeah some dudes are just just love it though so i don't know the europeans it's, it's, are all the same. it's all over yeah. there 
Yeah, yeah, right. Um, oh, hey, one of the other funny things, I think, I remember you butchering some, like, um, Hawaiian names for fish on a video with Justin one day. Always. Like, it was like, you called it Menapachi, I think, or something. Menapachi, like, yeah. Yeah. The Hawaiian names are so hard. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. But you sound, you sound like real cool. You're like, oh, and there's this uku and uh, moo. And yeah. I'm just like, oh, wow. He's, like there's, there's Hawaiian names for, for every different trevally as well. I'm just like, oh. Oh, for sure. Every mm. fish. And then, and then it's, oh, you got it wrong. That's the Japanese name, not the Hawaiian name. And I'm like, I, I, how, do I, how am I supposed to know this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. We butcher it over here. Like some people will tell you off. Like we, we'll call them a moo. And then they're like, that's not a moo. That's what Hawaiians say. It's a large eye sea brim or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, whatever. <laughs> Yeah. I remember it as a mo, just yeah. probably because of all the bloody videos I've seen online. Um, what about what about your dive yeah. bag from head to toe? What's a normal day at spearfishing like for you? So you got the Rob Allen spear gun, roller gun. I got a roller gun of some kind. I, I use a lot of different ones. You know, the Aim Right, the Pathos, the Rob Allen. Um, big <laughs> fan of the of big fan of of roller spear guns though. Okay, and um, cotton socks guaranteed for sure. Um, I don't like any kind of neoprene weird socks. I got my, my socks from Ross or mm. wherever, Walmart, cotton socks, disposable. Um, regular, I got a Cressy Nano with the clear snorkel. Um, whatever kind of wetsuit I'm using at the time, just open cell, both sides, you know, op- open cell. Why a clear snorkel? Because, so it's kind of hilarious. Um, I was like a little shit as a kid and everybody put like the yellow tape on their snorkel and, you know, so the boat can see them or whatever. And I was like, screw you guys. I'm getting a clear snorkel. So I got a clear snorkel, like, I don't know, seven or eight years ago and never went back. I was like, I like the snorkel. This is what I order every time I get the same Omer zoom clear snorkel. And, yeah, right and the dive shop literally Florida free divers literally sells out of them. It's like, everybody comes in here and asks for like Ryan's clear snorkel. And I'm like, this was like a joke I did with like, this is like a joke with some of the free dive instructors that are all like, you know, super Uber safety, this and that. And I'm like, what? So yeah. you that, should, um, funny, it'd be, it'd be cool to capture like a picture of someone vomiting into one of those. Like, can you actually see everything in the yeah, circle? Right. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Well, mine, mine gets so rotten that they're like black anyways. So yeah, that sounds yeah. like a good video so, thumbnail for YouTube too, by the way, you can steal my <laughs> idea. <laughs> there you go. So we got, um, cotton socks for sure. Um, Salvamar or some kind of Dyneema gloves. So like a, sal- like a, like a, like a good Dyneema thin glove I'm a big fan of. Um, regular wetsuit, some kind of carbon fins. I'm always flopping around carbon fins. Um, well, what's your preference? You know, like have the, you got a brand preference or soft? Like what, what, what are you doing? I like soft anything. Um, I like super soft anything. All the European style of big angle soft. Um, I'm getting some Setmas in the mail any day now. I think those are the best things I've used recently. Mm. But I've, I've got a pair of Moanas I use sometimes. I've got a pair of um, the Florida Freediver, which are just the XT stuff. Um, all the you know, just soft carbon fins for sure. Okay. Yep. And um, baby shampoo. Baby shampoo is the key to life. All, all diving. It's a secret. So you, just so, for your mask or, or, or is it, have you got another mask, application? Mask, wetsuit, shower after. Yeah. Ah, nice. One, one product does your mask, does your wetsuit, and showers after. Ooh, so, killer. So uh, yeah. you're buying it by the by the liter or the gallon? A lot. I buy a lot. All right. Yeah. All right, no cool. one else ever brings any when they dive with me because they know that I'll I will, I'll turn around. I will I won't I won't show up if I don't have a joke that like I'll dive all day if I forget my fins. But like if I forget the baby shampoo, like I'm sitting on the boat and driving. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Fair enough. Cool. Um, we'll wrap up with Spiro Q&A, which is like a fast-paced round of questions. Um, if you had to start all over again, what would you do differently? I might join the club earlier. You know, I think, I think a spearfishing club, like, really progressed me super fast compared to, like, you know, you get, like, three, four years of kind of stagnant, like, nothing. And then you've got, like, you know, six months in a club that, like, really boosted you. Um, so I would say that. I'd say definitely start off, start off in a club earlier. Nice. All right, here's a loaded question. Who is the best person to go spearfishing with and why? Um, I have two answers. I have Justin Lee and I have um, whoever's available. What about most, Sam? Like, I, what about Sam? Sam is Sam is my favorite to go diving with. <laughs> we, I dive more with Sam. She's she's jumping up and down right now. Um, I I dive more with Sam than anybody else in the world. That's for mm. sure. Okay, but, um, cool. but as far as like your hardcore days, you know, like you know your hardcore days of diving, um, Justin's pretty awesome because we do not care. We go out. There's no expectations. We're both pros. There's no no worries in the world. We both point out the fish to the other guy all day long. We don't care about shooting it ourselves. Um, it's easy, but but yeah, whoever's available is key. You know, mm. you dive four or five days a week. You you just go with whoever can. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, two more. What is the spearfishing destination you would most like to go to? Western Africa, for sure. Yeah. Any part in particular? All that. I'd like to dive that whole like Angola, like that whole coast right there. You know, that whole coast. I've seen a lot of stuff out of there. It's like it's big reef stuff, which is which is my zone. You know, big reef fish so. and pirates too. Yeah, hmm. yeah some pirates are there. Uh, <laughs> last question: Could you describe what the spearfishing experience means to you in one sentence? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tough. You have to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just. The, the freedom of being down there and everything else, you know, kind of melting away is especially you don't get that anywhere else in everyday life. Nice. It is really hard yeah. to boil it all down into a neat little sentence. I think because so, yeah. sometimes it means so much, you know, it's like, yeah, I yeah. I don't want to give you an, an elevator pitch kind of thing. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. All good. Where, where can people come and find you, Ryan? Um, YouTube is best. Um, I got Instagram too. We do that. But um, honestly, if you want to see everything, it's on YouTube. So mm. it's, uh, it's, it's just, that's been our focus and that's where we're going and, and that's, everything's going to be on there, but we've got a website too, Ryan Myers expeditions.com. Instagram is Ryan Myers expeditions and YouTube is the Ryan Myers. Cool. I'm going to link all that up today in today's show notes at noobspirit.com forward slash Ryan. And, uh, people can come and connect with you and say hello. And, uh, I'm sure your interview is going to be super popular, Ryan. Um, you're a cool guy, great energy and, yes. uh, I've loved chatting with you, man. And uh, we'll have to catch up again sometime. Thank you so much. Mm. Round a blast. Cool. Huge uh, deep reef hunting section there with Ryan Myers. Jeepers, he lived up to expectations. What a fantastic way to close out the Noob Spirit podcast for 2020. Uh, super cool dude. Check out Ryan Myers on YouTube. He's got a very... Uh, cool and different style and uh, he's, he's got that I don't know he's, he's <laughs> it's distinctive that's for sure uh, I loved it hey 2021 kicking off the year with a bang I've got Josh James the Kiwi Bushman uh, he's he lives that Kiwi lifestyle that sort of uh, hunting, camping, fishing, you know, bush skills, and whether it's in the water or above water, it's all good and it's all getting back to nature. And he's just, a, he's a cool dude. I really love his YouTube channel as well. It's the Kiwi Bushman if you want to check it out in advance. That'll be 2021. 
Otherwise, I'm over and out for 2020. Massive thank you again. Uh, just like I said at the at the start of the podcast, massive thank you to all the people involved, either listening, sharing, helping out behind the scenes, whatever you do. Massive thank you from me. Merry Christmas. Over and out. If you ever wanted to slay fish with a weapon of your own creation, good news for you. Episode 123 of the Noob Sparrow podcast with Ed Martin from Killshot Spear Guns lays out the pattern and the plan to help you build your own weapon of death uh, and lay waste to fish with something with your own maker's stamp on it. And along with that, go to today's major sponsor website, neptonics.com. Go to the Spear Gun Builder page and select your components to build that magical weapon and use the code NOOB10 to save a further 10% off on anything in your shopping basket. So visit neptonics.com. Use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off store-wide. Interesting message today if you are a budget-conscious Spiro. Head to spearfishing.com.au, go to the clearance tab. There's a whole bunch of magic deals and bargains in there. Use the code NOOB Spiro to save a further $20 on every purchase over $200. That's right, spearfishing.com.au, clearance tab, you'll thank me later.